0: Welcome to the Behind the Connection podcast, the podcast that covers all things internet and technology related, the good, the bad, the complexities, and the realities. We talk about it all right here on Behind the Connection. I'm Tyler Rasmussen, and I'm your host. Over the last several weeks with this uh, coronavirus pandemic, we have been pounded with good practices to keep us healthy and safe, right? Wash your hands. Keep your distance from others. Don't get together in large groups. Wear a mask.
1: Yeah, I, I technically don't think we're six feet apart right here. You're, we're
0: probably not. But actually. this is a podcast. I'm so way, we're safe. way closer to you than I want to be. Yeah, you know? I agree. I don't want to bump knees with you at all. So and, keep your feet on your side of the table. They are. Trust me. I better introduce my guests. Sorry. No, you're great. I have Mr. Kirk Bostic, who is the self-proclaimed. Mayor of Roosevelt, according to a billboard on the outside of town.
1: Yeah, nice April Fool's joke, Aaron Brown. Thank you.
0: <laughs> uh, Kirk Bosik is actually the director of operations for um, Spectra, which is a wholly-owned subsidiary of Serata Networks. We've got him in the studio with us today. Great thank to you have you him. here. We've got Mr. Tyler Labram, the worst golfer in the Uinta Basin, for sure, by far. I mean, he's it's, famous for that.
2: I've worked hard at, at being that. You yeah, Absolutely. It, that title has been well-earned. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, it's just the opposite. He is a fantastic golfer and he's also the cybersecurity specialist at Strata. So glad to have you guys both here. I Thanks. Think yeah. Pleasure. Will you guys take just a minute? And um, you, you, you both have really good backgrounds and pedigrees for your particular roles at Strata and at Spectra. Sure. I'd love to have you both take just a minute and tell the listener about how you have kind of arrived at where you're at in your careers yeah. today. So Kirk, why don't you go first?
1: No problem. <clears throat> so I grew up in the UNA Basin. I've always had... An affinity for technology, really like technology, and went to college and pursued that as my degree. Uh, I worked for Utah State University for about 13 years as a sysadmin, covered the eastern part of the state of Utah, so I did a lot of travel. And it got to the point to where <clears throat> people were wanting more of me, um, the skill set that I had acquired through my education and experience. And so I started a consulting business for, biz- for small businesses. And that grew into a, a partnership and a merger with Strata Networks, and we formed Spectrum. And so today, that's what we do, is we, we do consulting work for, for businesses, install networks, phone systems, Wi-Fi. So really, my focus is operations. We try to make sure their networks are up and running, and secure is part of that. Um, 20 years ago, security was kind of an afterthought, and today, security is, is the forefront, so a lot of the design and implementation and, and maintenance is security focused.
0: Gotcha. So maybe just quickly, I'm sure some in the community and maybe some listeners wonder why the different name. You know, why, sure. why Spectra? Give us a quick synopsis of why <coughs> it's a wholly owned subsidiary, but there's a different brand name there for, for Spectra. Sure.
1: So Spectra, when we when we onboarded Spectra within Strata Networks, there's some some advantages to having a separate legal entity, another LLC. Um, a lot of it is based around liability. So if you're in consulting and, and something happens, it protects the parent company from any exposure of what could happen in a, you know, if there were a cyber threat and Spectra was somehow held liable for that, it would be a much smaller attack surface, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it also helps us to be more nimble. Uh, when we're smaller, we can onboard staff more quickly. We can respond more quickly. Um, to issues that we see in the in the community, in our business community. And the third reason is it allows us to expand our operations outside of the UNA Basin. Uh, managed services is really a, a national type of solution. The packages that we put together can be delivered anywhere in the United States. We've worked for companies in other states already, um, which kind of goes beyond the you know, the traditional cooperative boundary of strata and and being a service provider of phones. Mm -hmm. Um, So it does open up some additional revenue opportunities and economic development. You know, I'm able to employ people that live in the U.N.A. Basin, but bring revenue in from other states. Yeah, that's great. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, I think we'll, you and I have talked, we'll probably do another podcast, a separate podcast on Spectra specifically and the services that they provide, but uh, maybe just in a nutshell, to the average you know, consumer that's not really familiar with technology, can you describe mm-hmm. briefly what all you do? I know you have a couple of different divisions. Sure. Managed services division, which maybe a lot of people don't know exactly what managed services mean. And then your operational technology division, maybe just in a nutshell, what are those right. divisions each do?
1: <clears throat> yeah, so we have an informational technology division, which is our traditional IT offering. So think of it as if you go into your office and you turn on your computer and you have your phone and you have your Wi-Fi and you have your Apple TV or whatever, you know, we go in and we set all that up and maintain it for you as if we were on your staff. But yet you're not paying, you know, all of the, the labor costs and overheads and everything. You're just getting the very best of what a team can bring you for a fraction of the price. Gotcha. Uh, our operational technology is more of industrial IT. Hmm. And so these are guys that wear hard hats, still-toed boots, um, but they're out working in industry. So it could be a water plant, could be oil and gas systems. Um, and they're really doing IT work, but it's more um, industrial-based. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> those are the kind of the, in a nutshell, what those two divisions do. Great.
0: Okay. Thank you. So, Tyler, give us a little bit of a... Uh glimpse into your background i know you've got an interesting pedigree leading you to uh, strata networks so. yeah um
2: gosh I, I mean my wife describes me as having been a professional student for a period of time because <laughs> i was too afraid to get a big boy job but you know graduate undergrad degree from utah state uh you know started out air force academy um medical discharge go to utah state play a little golf uh, major in mis which is kind of it right And after that, I'm trying to figure out what the heck I'm gonna do. This is 2009, great financial recession, financial crisis. And so, you know, where the heck do you get a job, right? The only thing that's hiring is IT. So I actually had a group come down and present uh, as a part of a program from the National Security Agency, which was a cybersecurity program. Um, I had never even thought about cybersecurity before that, but they also added on, hey, you come, you get a free MBA. We're gonna pay you, literally, pay you a check, pay for your books, pay for everything. You can go through this program, get an MBA, come out with cybersecurity emphasis. The only catch is, is that you're going to have to come work for the federal government for a couple of years in order to pay us back. Um, that's something I was familiar with because I'd already done the military thing and know I was going to have to do that. So uh, that, it was like, heck yeah, I can continue to do school, get paid mm-hmm. to do it. Rock on, let's go do it. Mm-hmm. And so I was fortunately accepted into that program, um, and it was a phenomenal program. Uh, the curriculum, the exposure that I had, uh, our director there is, he has his fingerprint on most of the legislation that's been written in the United States as far as cyber is concerned. Um, in fact, you know, we had this kind of soundproof security room where they had written the original cyber legislation for the U.S. Uh, after that, I went to work. Um, I worked for the Air Force in their cyber warfare wing and did some work in a security operations center. So when all of these cyber threats are coming from the entire Air Force network, I'm working in there, seeing what's coming in, um, coordinating response with different entities and working on that. Uh, Finally graduated 2011 with a master's degree there and went to work with the Department of Homeland Security in Washington, D.C. and spent four and a half years with DHS. Uh, That was probably the most valuable experience I could have obtained from a cyber standpoint working with an organization with the resources they have and the cyber threats that they're faced with gives you really broad exposure to a ton of cyber related uh um scenarios so i did that um four and a half years my wife and i decided we want to move back to the basin so dc great place to visit not such a great place to live we end up deciding we want to move back i go to my boss and i say hey uh I'm, i'm gonna buy a Jerky business uh, to sell jerky in a small <laughs> town in Utah, and he looks at me and he kind of stares and he says, "It's uh, so FBI, CIA, what's going on here?" <laughs> like, like we're still not sure if he really, wasn't. yeah. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> like, what I was going like, to say, like that's... some kind of cover or something, right? Yeah. This dude's going to go do jerky. So he said, "Well, all right, let's do this, but we're going to need you because you know you're involved with some really important projects that we got going on. Let's have you work remotely. You." If if that's what you're doing, do your jerky thing, work remotely. So I came back, I worked remotely for them for almost a year here out of the basin. Uh, You know, fast, fast internet speeds help massively with that. Uh, And so then that came to an end and I'm doing jerky and that's not a full-time job. (laughs) And weirdly enough my mother-in-law starts kind of heckling me saying like, what the heck are you doing with your life? Like, when are you going to actually like grow up here? <laughs> I was saying mother-in-law. I'm, still wondering,
1: I'm still wondering that. Tyler.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I, I got ticked off one night and I said, all right, I'm going to send in an application to strata. Cause that's I, maybe they need somebody who's got some cyber experience. So I sent in an application for like a heavy equipment operator position or really? Really? A database, well, a database position not. or something. <laughs> well, I mean, you go on there and I'm looking for a job that applies to me and it doesn't. So I'm like, all right, I got to apply for one of these mm-hmm. and maybe they'll see my resume mm-hmm. and it, it'll work out. But yeah. so, so I send in this resume It's probably one in the morning, um, out of, out of anger. And, okay. uh, <laughs> eventually I hear back from you guys and we come in, we have some interviews and one thing leads to another. I get tossed through a couple of groups and they realize, all right, this, he has a skill set that's, that's valuable to us. And, uh, It's been cool. You guys brought me on, um, put me in a role, um, gave me some autonomy to work through some of the cyber projects that we had going on at Strata. Um, I feel like we've improved quite a bit, uh, through having, you know, focused, uh, focus on that. And, you know, an individual who's exclusively focused on that. Mm -hmm. And it's been great ever since.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So you've been with the company what three years? Almost three years, yeah. yeah. And Kirk, you've been probably more like six. Yeah, six, six, six six years. Okay. So mm-hmm. fairly fairly new. I mean yeah. but yeah. not not new to the industry or the space or your specialty, but oh, new sure. fairly new to Strata. Sure. Both yeah. both of you in, in very critical roles at this point. So great to have you on the team. So you two obviously can speak pretty intelligently to the risks and threats that are out there for a small business owner, a business owner, or even just a internet technology user. Um, yeah, we eat, drink,
1: and sleep it every day. Yeah,
0: that's what we want to spend, you know, the next 15 minutes on is 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 what, what people should be aware of, what's going on right now with this coronavirus pandemic, mm-hmm. what threats are out there, what's real, uh, what can they do, some basic habits, you know, like I said, with, we, we kicked off this podcast podcast by talking about the, the things that have been pounded into our brains, like washing our hands and all these things, right? And social distancing and stuff, but we wanna talk a little bit about hi- cyber hygiene and what, what does that look like? What are some yeah. good common practices? <clears throat> Before we dive into that, maybe um, in 60 seconds to 90 seconds, Tyler, tell us a little bit about what is doing from a cybersecurity perspective, yeah. uh, you know, to, to protect its network and to reach out and work with state federal entities if if those things are happening give give the consumer a little bit of a a a broad overview of what's taking place there in your particular role
2: so i'll start from the outside and kind of work in yeah and into the organization so from the outside how we protect the outside of the organization you could think of this as the moat around the castle if you will we've got some of the best network engineers around um it's unbelievable so our network is engineered From the ground up with security in mind, which makes my job way easier. Um, But the security landscape has changed Um, where once we used to envision hackers trying to hack in through your, you know, to cross the moat and try to enter the castle. Now they're basically just trying to find somebody who's already in the castle who will let them in. Uh, you see that with phishing campaigns, right? Um, emails that come in are phishing whatever. as
0: in ph, right? PH probably, phishing. phishing I, I know a hate. lot of people that are listening yeah. and will know what you're talking about, but some won't. So we'll yeah, have yeah. to break that down a little bit. Yeah.
2: So, so you know, when I say phishing, that's when you get that email that looks like it's coming from a legitimate source or that it's an important. Actually, I'll, I'll give you how I analyze a, mm-hmm. a phishing email. You know, if it comes in and you don't know who sent it to you, all right, be skeptical. If it has an artificial kind of a, a a manufactured sense of urgency you know most emails that come in there's typically not urgent people don't communicate urgent Mm -hmm. messages through email so there's another red flag you're looking for you know broken english and stuff like that huge red flag and then if they're wanting you to take action like click a link or open an attachment all right like you've seen all these red flags you're going to want to be really careful about that Mm -hmm. they're going to be you know looking at the email address that it comes from what is the, the domain, you know, at the end of it, it may have the first, the name of the person or whatever. And then at the end, it might have something weird. Like we get a bunch of them that are like .ru or .jp, you know, from mm-hmm. Russia or from mm-hmm. Japan or from China. Mm-hmm. And so immediately you can tell, all right, this isn't legitimate, mm-hmm. you know, IRS. you irs.org.jp know, or whatever is not going to be a legitimate IRS email.
0: So we're looking for stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, part of what you do then is you're testing, you're testing and training and strengthening the strat the individual strata employee to be able to better recognize those phishing campaigns, right? And not not take that next step of clicking on the wrong link or opening the wrong attachment. If that happens, what's at risk? you
2: know and as simple as that may sound i'm glad you bring it up because that's one that's the most
0: important thing that we've Mm -hmm. done at strata
2: we have worked really hard and we've had the support of management to train our users really well on this i can give you numbers like we ran we run phishing campaigns internally and i track the metrics our initial phishing campaign we ran, we hit about 35% click rate. Oh, they geez. were clicking or opening an attachment, right? Wow. And that's standard <laughs> for industry that's as a That's
0: probably what a small business owner could expect with, oh, their, totally. co- with their employees yeah. too, right? Or,
2: or, or potentially sure. even higher because mm-hmm. we've got a
0: technologically savvy
2: workforce. Mm-hmm. So,
0: So you're uh, saying 35% of the time when there's a phishing email sent to Strata employees that you created to yeah. test them, 35% of the time they were clicking on an inappropriate link or opening an inappropriate attachment that could very well have posed a significant risk, huh? Bingo. And that's probably very standard for most consumers.
2: So the tool that we use gives us metrics that have been drawn from hundreds of thousands of campaigns. So mm-hmm. there's a huge sample base to establish that as where we were industry standard, right? Mm-hmm. We fit within that realm. And now we hit on our last campaign, we hit 6%. So great. our users have become much more aware um, mm-hmm. and they'll reach out to me and say, hey, is this legitimate? I get these emails all the time and, mm-hmm. and that's great. Um, that's our greatest defense because, you know, people aren't trying to pound through your firewall or the outside exterior security, mm-hmm. you know, platform you've got. They're trying to just basically jump through and get to the inside through a user. So gotcha. um, we, that's one thing I'm looking at all
0: the time. Gotcha. Cool. All right. So what are some of the things that's happening with uh, the coronavirus pandemic? What are some ways that hackers and manipulators are trying to take advantage of people? Sure. Kirk, do you want to take a first stab bet. at that?
1: So <clears throat> the the workforce is now shifted. So instead of everybody being at their office behind a firewall, you know, now they've all started working from home. And so the attack vector is much broader for operations guys and security guys to, to take care of. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so... Uh, you might have heard the term VPN. That means you're making a connection from your alternate work location back to your office. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that's been a real big attack vector. Um, people trying to inject in between that or be on the home network already and gain access to the corporate network through a new infiltration point. Mm-hmm. Uh, because es- essentially, it puts them behind the corporate veil mm-hmm. and they're inside. Um so that's one thing I think work from home scenarios um you know you introduced that complexity to the operations and it's it's been a chore for all of us in IT to really have the masses that were in your facilities now the masses are coming into your facilities mm-hmm. so we've all had VPNs we've all had those types of connections in the past but it's really put a lot of strain uh, on our monitoring and and setting up and and supporting that that mobile workforce so I would say that's that's been a big one um, video conferencing, yeah, Zoom bombing yeah, or whatever. What,
0: everybody's probably heard of that. Maybe a lot sure. of people don't know exactly what that is, but what's what's actually happened and what's the real risk with that?
1: Absolutely. So Zoom is is kind of at the forefront because it offers a really nice video conferencing solution that's that's economical and it's pretty easy for an end user to use. And but anytime you trade off ease of use, you can give up some security, and that's I think that's what people. Or that were using Zoom prior to this would just allow um, anonymous people to come in and join their meetings because it was easy. Mm-hmm. And so then what you started to see is a lot of um, – Nefarious activity happening. People coming up and adding porn to people's meetings or recording meetings that they weren't supposed to be in, or just you know, like a fly on the wall participating Mm -hmm. in a meeting. Mm -hmm. And this isn't just business. I mean, we have our our children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my wife is a junior high principal in the Duchesne district, and all of their kids are using Zoom now, Mm -hmm. and teachers, and it's been a great tool. And and I'm not knocking Zoom at all because it's not really a Zoom issue, it's, it's, it's a user issue, Mm -hmm. right? Because and a lot of that is just our inexperience with security. And so they've taken a lot of steps to help the user base get more proficient with their platform. And, and they've made some security upgrades as well, but it's not just Zoom. I mean, there's, there's teams, which is, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's what Spectra supports and sells to our user base is a program called Teams, which is a collaboration tool where people can do video conferencing and, and we, you know, we work very hard at securing those those things. So those are the two that are top of mind for me right gotcha.
0: now. Gotcha. those are the primarily business-related or those that are sure. in a business setting. T- Tyler, how about some that are more like consumer-centric issues or things that you've seen?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, And I'm going to touch on the Zoom piece a little bit. You know, I think mm-hmm. this has been ses- sensationalized in the media a lot. Um, you know, if you're using Zoom for your family meetings and things, it's – it's a safe platform for you to be able to do that the reason why some of these zoom bombings have happened is because people are posting links to their zoom meeting on a public publicly you know, yeah. publicly so it's very easy for some punk kid to do a google search for you know the zoom link um, they have a standardized format you to do a search for that format you find a bunch of links you're going to jump on and you're going to cause them some issue yeah. we've had Congress congressional meetings that have been zoom bombed for example because mm. they posted it publicly so And then you restrict the people who are allowed to come in and you let them sit in a waiting area, you know, uh, the the lobby is is how it's termed. And then you accept them in if you know who they are and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So with that, yeah. Now on the consumer side, you know, what you're seeing, like everybody's wondering, you know, when is my stimulus check going to be coming in? Mm -hmm. Um, If you're a business owner, you're wondering, all right, what's the status of my PPP? And there has been a huge amount of phishing campaigns. So phishing with P, people sending you emails, fake me emails, malicious emails saying, you know, your PPP has been approved or your click IRS here. check has been pending, click here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you wanna be really cautious of those. Um, with that, you want to identify, is this from the legitimate entity? Is this from the credit, the uh, the bank that I actually submitted my application through? Is this from the IRS? And then if it is indeed from the IRS, you still want to go a step further and look at that link and say, "Okay, where does this link point to? And you can do that by just, you know, if you're on a desktop, just hover over it Mm -hmm. and you look at the very bottom of your browser screen. So if you're using like Google Chrome or something, it'll show a bunch of weird, you know, it's the URL that Mm -hmm. you type in to go somewhere. Mm
0: And if that web address, the web is going to show you where it's going to take Mm -hmm. you. If you click on the link. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Before you actually click on it, it'll show you where it's going to go.
0: And if it doesn't match very closely, the domain or the web address for the entity that's sending you, Mm -hmm. supposedly sending you the email, right? You're in trouble. Like, don't, don't click on it. Don't touch it. Just delete that sucker. Um,
2: And, you know, and same thing with attachments. You're going to want to just be wary of attachments. And you know what my ultimate suggestion is? If you're even in doubt whatsoever, just reach out directly to the entity. Call your bank directly. Call the IRS or the SBA directly. Um, There have been some whole times there, so hopefully they've fixed that issue. But you're going to want to reach out to them directly. It's just not worth infecting your computer um, and putting yourself at risk that way. Uh,
1: I I would say social media has been you know, a platform that gets leveraged quite often for Mm -hmm. the residential Mm -hmm. consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're, you're reading news stories, you're watching memes, you're watching videos and somebody harvests your account. You know, they, they get your, they get access to your Facebook and then they can, uh, masquerade as if they're you. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of that. You know, I hear, I hear a lot of that type. How of are activity. they,
0: how are they hijacking people's accounts? Is it mostly like by getting somebody to click on something in social media that they that then can take control? Weak
1: passwords mm-hmm. are, are a big thing. You know, you want to make sure you have a strong password. I, I like to use pass phrases. So mm-hmm. something that's really easy for you to remember, but it'd be very difficult for somebody else to, to, um, guess yes yeah. yeah yeah
0: maybe before we get into like our basic steps of good cyber hygiene mm-hmm. um let's talk just very briefly our our Are some of these occurrences or these situations or circumstances, are they they very different than a normal security threat that would happen outside of a virus pandemic? Like what have you seen in in the U.N.A. Basin as far as supporting businesses? Give us a brief synopsis of some real actual scenarios that have taken place and are they actually much different than what we've just talked about?
1: They're not much different. I think that they're just amplified. You know, I think everybody's already on edge. They're all looking to their devices now Mm -hmm. for information. And like I said, the workforce has shifted and, and people are in their homes more, and they may have already had a virus on a home computer that's f- there from 1985, you know per mm-hmm. se. And now that's that's just in the wild, right? Mm-hmm. So um, things that I've seen are really not different. they're just they're just bigger. Uh, UPS tracking, Amazon tracking, um, browser hijacks, things of that nature. Um, there's more, there's some targeted uh, fishing attempts that happen as well that are called spearfishing. And that's when somebody really comes after you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest hurdle that I have with residential customers and even small businesses. Nobody cares about me. I live in the basin, you know, I'm not a huge company.
0: After this podcast, they will care about
1: you. Yeah, <laughs> because they do care about you. And the and the reason why is um, they your information is important to you. Mm-hmm. And so some of the um, leverages that I've seen is when they go in and they crypto lock your machine mm-hmm. and they, you know, all your wedding pictures, all your kids' pictures, all your home videos, everything that we do in multimedia now is on our computers and, and that's valuable to Tyler. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they might want 500 bucks, a thousand bucks for you to unlock your own data. And
0: you're seeing that happen in the States, Absolutely. Basin. With that businesses happens. and consumers.
1: Absolutely. That Oof. happens. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: And that's probably a little bit eye-opening to some. Some probably realize that, you know, they see or hear about it on the news where large entities are hacked mm-hmm. or websites get hacked and they can't access them. They're not hearing about what's happening right here to their neighbor or to a small business owner down the road, but it's happening, right? I mean, it's it's there.
2: Yeah, it's not usually something somebody posts on their Facebook status. Hey, yo, I fell for a phishing can't scam and they encrypted my entire computer and now I have no access yeah. to 10 years worth of family photos. Yeah, You know, um you had mentioned how are they doing this? Mm-hmm. Part of it is, is that you have accounts that you've used for years or decades, you know, uh, typically username is going to be an email address, right? Mm-hmm. And you reuse passwords throughout that. Now, not all the vendors or the companies that we use these credentials, credentials being your password and your username combined, you can call that a credential, right? Those may have been part of a past, uh, um, past incident where it was uh compromised in a data breach mm-hmm. and so if people want to find out if their accounts have been compromised there's a website called have i been owned now this has got some kind of security lingo so it's like have I, Been B-E-N, uh owned with a p so p-w-n-e-d.com and you can type in your email address and see if if any of your accounts associated with that email address have been compromised in mm. a data breach. Mm. Now, initially those hackers who have stolen that data from companies like, you know, we've seen big data breaches with Target, for example, is a huge one. Um, we saw a Yahoo data breach, and I'm still seeing people fished to this day because with of that those breach. credentials because of that breach. And mm. that was happened, you know, like seven or eight years ago. So they'll take that and they'll try to sell it. Yeah. And eventually it has no market value. So what do they do? They're punks, they post it publicly usernames passwords and then they'll try to fish you with that. So they'll send an email to that email address and say, "Hey, I've got this info on you. I know you use such and such password." If you're still using that password, it scares the heck out of you. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, "Oh my gosh, this guy knows everything about me. Like right. what am I going to do?" Um, some of them are pretty obvious because you've quit using that password years ago and you're like, "All right, like I don't use that password anymore. This is this is a scam." But I'd highly recommend people check that to see if any of their stuff has been there. Now, ultimately, don't reuse passwords for all these. You need different passwords for every single one of these accounts. Now, that's daunting. How the heck do you even keep track of that? Use a password manager. Gotcha. Um, you've got things like uh, LastPass or KeyPass or Keeper. I mean, there's a million tools out there. Um, LastPass is kind of the industry you know, leading uh, entity on this. You might pay 25 bucks a year for, you know that that's only if you want to use it on your cell phone. It's completely free if you just want to use it on your desktop. Right, And it will generate strong passwords for you for every single site. It will memorize them. You can add a, an extension to your Chrome browser. It'll automatically fill the credentials in for you. That's a much more secure way. So most of these people who are having their accounts hijacked have typically had their credentials compromised in a past data breach with another company not associated with Facebook or Twitter or you know even your bank account or whatever it may be.
0: Gotcha. So I think we talked about this before we came on the podcast. We really wanted to give the listener like three really helpful cyber hygiene tips. And we've hit on a couple of them. We've hit on, you know, password management, which you've talked about, I think, fairly well. We've talked about email phishing campaigns Mm -hmm. and and how to be very cautious and be very aware. What's kind of that third one? I think we've talked about multi-factor authentication. Break that down. What is that? Some may know what it is. Some may not. What is it? So
1: a lot of uh, providers have gone to what they call a two-factor type of authentication. So not only do I have to know my username and my password, but everybody in the world face it, has a cell phone now. And there, you can put an app on your phone that will let you know, hey, somebody's trying to get into your account. Is this legitimate? And then you can approve it from your cell phone. So it gives another authentication step, mm-hmm. if you will. Um,
0: so in theory, somebody could have your credentials. They could have your username and your password to a social media account. They could be trying to log in with your actual username and password. Right. If you have multi-factor authentication set up, you're going to get a notification. Right. And you're going to basically say, oh, that's no, not me. that's not me. Deny it. Boom. Yep. And they don't and have they access. can't get right? in. Even with the username and password. Correct.
1: Right. Gotcha. And that really, really um, helps keep people out of your accounts. I mean, that's that's been the number one thing, I think, at Strata that we've implemented that has cut down on the amount of um people gaining access to things. Yeah. I gotcha. mean, we had
2: only a couple of cases. When we sure. first went to Office 365, which is accessible via the internet. So you can log into 365 accounts from anywhere in the world. Initially, we roll that out. It's brand new. We have some users fall for a phishing campaign. They get an email that looks like it comes from Office 365. Mm-hmm. They try to log in and they have literally given away their username and password to somebody. Well, it happened to be somebody in Boston, Massachusetts mm-hmm. that they gave it away to. And so that person logged into their account and then started spamming email. Mm-hmm. So immediately we implemented multi-factor and now it's totally eliminated that. Mm-hmm. We right. have not had a compromised account since. And Google has the same scenario. They had compromised accounts. They implemented multi-factor, haven't had one since. It For users to implement this, you know, it's different for each tool, but all of your major platforms—Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, um, you know, uh, Instagram, uh, your, banking your banking institutions, yeah, banking institutions—will sure. have multi-factor. And you can even implement it simply by they'll send you a text message with a little code, and you can type it in. Is it an additional an additional step? It sure is. Is it going to take you a little more time to log in? Yeah, but that extra step can be so important in protecting your account.
0: So some might be a little overwhelmed with what you just described. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of my mom. You know, for mm-hmm. instance, or my dad. So. You know, you could easily just go Google Facebook multi-factor authentication setup, right? And it's going to give you very basic steps on how very to do basic that. steps okay. to do
2: it. Yeah, right in the app, it'll show you each step by step how to implement. Basically,
0: that. so any tool or app that you're using that you're logging into, you basically go Google the name of that application, multi-factor authentication setup, hit search, Absolutely. you should be able to set them up. And we we, we just need to encourage people to do Absolutely. that, right? I mean, it's a it's pretty a, it's simple an education, thing.
1: Tyler. It's just like everything yeah. that we're talking about. It's just simple things. If you educate yourself, you can protect yourself against these nefarious activities for sure. Great.
0: Well, it's been some great cyber hygiene tips. Um, really appreciate you two and your expertise. Do you guys have any closing thoughts for our mm-hmm. listeners?
1: No, thanks for having us. Stay safe out there. Yeah. Just remember the new normal's coming, and and we anticipate as an or I anticipate as an operations manager that we're going to continue to see, you know these these flexible work scenarios with and with students and become yeah. a lot more common yeah. probably. Yeah. Right. More cloud applications. And so, you know, just, just really take care of that hygiene, that cyber hygiene. If you, if it's, if what we're talking about is brand new to you, you should educate yourself.
0: Yeah. And, and if any of it feels overwhelming, if you're a small business owner or even a customer, I mean, you know, you can obviously get a hold of, uh, you can get a hold of Kirk at Spectra. If you're a small business owner, he'd be happy to help give you some initial steps to get started. Go Absolutely. a little deeper if you want, he can involve Tyler. They can do you know, an assessment of your cybersecurity risk of your organization Um it's something we're happy to do, provide it as a service, and uh, hopefully save you some heartache right. down the road, right, and some difficulty in business I, it's, it's operations.
1: It's a lot easier for me to deal with it before I get the call of, hey, we think something happened. We can't get into our server. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody likes those types of situations. And- yeah. So yeah,
0: And we'll continue to produce some cybersecurity content. We've done oh, that in the past from the yeah. Stratus perspective just to be helpful to our consumers. Tyler's been a great resource there and we'll, we'll plan on doing that in this upcoming year. We'll produce a couple more little tech tip videos and some write-ups. Uh, probably we'll actually provide some resources um, in the notes of this podcast and and in the post of this podcast where you can go to our page and um, get further details. So we'll get some information from Tyler to just kind of summarize what we've talked about, put it on a link on our page and and listeners can go check that out to to get kind of a summary of what we've discussed.
2: Check the show notes because i referenced some sites and some tools that you guys can use and, and we'll post
0: up the resources so you can go directly to those and see where you stand. Awesome. Uh, well, as always, appreciate the listeners. Um, we want to talk about what you want us to talk, to talk about. So if you have suggestions or comments or, or things that you'd like us to dive a little deeper into, please comment. Um, please give us some feedback. Uh, give us a review on podcast platforms. You can shoot us an email at podcast at com. We'd be happy to discuss any questions or concerns in the future on a future podcast topic. So thanks again, gentlemen. Appreciate you being here.
1: Just can I say two Tylers don't make a right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) T squared. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to the Strata Networks podcast.